This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Abortion rights advocates have been warning about the end of Roe for decades, but that seems more likely this week than it did a few months ago because the new Supreme Court term, which began last week, includes the court taking up its first abortion case since Brett Kavanaugh replaced Anthony Kennedy. How bad could things get? And are there any reasons for optimism? For comment, we turn to Katha Pollitt. Of course, she's a poet, essayist, and award-winning columnist for the nation. Her most recent book is Pro-Reclaiming Abortion Rights. It's out now in paperback. Katha, welcome back. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Isn't there a lot of support for abortion rights these days? Well, there is, and it's been growing. 77% in a June NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll, 77% of Americans support Roe, even if you know some of those would like to see more abortion restrictions. And, you know, people don't understand this. They think that if you say, oh, I think abortion is wrong, that it means you want abortion to be illegal. But those are not the same at all. There are many things we think are wrong that we think should be legal. And P- Americans are able to make this distinction, but pollsters sometimes <laughs> are not. So Republicans face the situation where abortion rights are widely popular in the United States, and yet their base wants to outlaw abortion. So they have come up with a strategy for for dealing with this, you say the strategy is to put women through hell to get an abortion. Please explain what that means. Years ago, the anti-choice movement tried to pass the Human Life Amendment, which would have declared abortion illegal at the federal level. And that didn't get anywhere. So then they adopted a strategy of sort of uh, the death of a thousand cuts. And that was making abortion extremely difficult to get, forcing the closing down of clinics. The part about making it hell for women is, you know, if you close down a bunch of clinics and then you find out you have to drive, you know, 500 miles to get an abortion, and then you find that you have to stay overnight in this strange new place because you have to have a 24-hour or sometimes even a 48-hour or 72-hour waiting period because, of course, you don't know your little mind being a woman. Um, And then (laughs) they ratchet up the price by making you do unnecessary uh, ultrasounds and things like that. Before you know it, a $500 first trimester procedure is $1,500. Um, in all the ancillary costs. And don't forget, most women who have abortions now are lower income and for various complicated reasons. And most of them have children already. So they have to find someone to take care of their children. If they have work, they have to be able to take off. It makes the whole, the whole thing has become a great, big, complicated deal for women living in many, many parts of the country, the the South and the Midwest especially. Pro-choicers often warn that what Republicans want goes beyond a return to the bad old pre-Roe days. How could it be worse now than it was in the 50s? When abortion was illegal, which it was for um, about, about half our history, our post-colonial history, 
people do forget, and I always feel I need to add, that abortion was legal, basically, when this country was founded. If the Founding Fathers had wanted to put in something constitutional about it, they could have done so, and they didn't, because it was simply an accepted procedure. It would be worse now because there's now a very organized political movement tied in completely with one of our two major parties that sees abortion as murder um, and would probably like to punish it for somebody along those lines. Maybe not for, they say not for the woman, but certainly for doctors. The status of the fetus has been ratcheted up so high, much higher than it was pre-Roe. And haven't some women already been charged with crimes related to fetal personhood? Yes, they have. This is really shocking. There are hundreds of women who have been jailed for drug use during pregnancy, for having a miscarriage that is supposedly related to their conduct during pregnancy or a, st- a stillbirth, um, the same. And it's, this, this is new. I don't think we had this pre-Roe. This is like what happens in El Salvador, where if you have a miscarriage, God help you. There were at one point like more than 30 women in, with, sentenced to long prison terms in El Salvador for miscarriages that were said to have been actual abortions. So it would no, I think it would be much worse. It wouldn't be much worse everywhere in the country as it was pre-Roe, for example. I, I mean, I don't think New York City is going to declare war on abortion. <laughs> but uh, there are six states that have only one clinic each. And one of those states, Mississippi, that, cl- that one clinic is only open because of a court order. So I think that we're, we are seeing a return to that patchwork of abortion rights and access that was the reason, one of the main reasons Roe was decided the way it was, that it was just so obvious that a woman in New York, where abortion was already legal in 1973 when Roe was passed, a woman in New York could go get an abortion with no problem, and any woman who could get to New York and a few other states could have an abortion with no problem. But if you happen to live in one of the other states, the vast majority, and you didn't have money to go to New York, you were really in trouble. And that just seemed to the Supreme Court majority that decided Roe very unfair. So in the past, if you lived in Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, or West Virginia, and other states which make abortion virtually impossible, in the past you would have to travel to California or New York, but now, now you write in your new column at The Nation, there's an alternative to traveling to a state where abortion is accessible, and that's misoprostol. Tell us about misoprostol. Well, this is the way in which we won't be revisiting the past. I mean, we all know about the coat hanger um, and other very dangerous methods that women used to use before Roe. And we're not going to see a big return to that, although there will be isolated cases and already have been. But what we will see a lot of and already seeing a lot of is the use of abortion pills. There are two of these. Mifepristone and misoprostol, which used together, that's the regimen used in clinics to end an early pregnancy. Misoprostol alone is all, can also be used to end an early pregnancy, and it's 75 to 85% effective. And the great thing about this is abortion pills are 
are, are pretty safe. Uh, my sources, my medical sources tell me five to ten times safer than Viagra. Okay. Um, and did you, know, did you know that Viagra is sold um, over the counter in the UK? No, Which is I kind didn't. of amazing. Yes. And you can find these abortion pills easily on the internet, although you'd better make sure that, you know, you're going to a reputable place. Although the FDA is trying, tries to prevent online pharmacies from selling them. But Women on Waves and Women Helping Women are two women help women are two websites that are very reliable and will walk you through the procedure like with tele is sort of a telemedicine kind of a thing. So I think we're gonna see a lot of that. Women are already resorting to pills in places where they you know, an abortion is legal and available, but it's too inconvenient and too expensive for them. And the state of California just passed the law that requires all the campuses of the University of California and the state university system to offer the abortion pill on campus. Women will not have to go off campus to find the Planned Parenthood office or a doctor to get the pill prescribed. That's 34 campuses in all, 750,000 enrolled students. And I'm sure the University of California is not going to be the last state to do this. Yeah, that's really amazing. Um, I hope they do community colleges as well, because that's a huge population. And let's talk here for a minute about Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood's clinic network removed itself from the federal program dedicating dedicated to providing birth control to low-income women. Remind us how that happened. Well, that was the great goal of the anti-choicers was to defund Planned Parenthood. And what that means is to not allow Planned Parenthood to use government funds to be, re- to be reimbursed with government funds like any other healthcare provider. So finally that has happened and the Planned Parenthood said, okay, well, we're going to forego this estimated $60 million a year in reimbursements, which is amazing. That is a ton of money. And it's going to, you know, I fear that it will affect Planned Parenthood's ability to operate all its clinics a lot. I think some have already cut back. On the other hand, you suggest in your new column that the abortion pills, especially misoprostol, might have a political effect. In fact, you think it already has outside the United States. Yeah, you know, in Ireland, where, you know, the near total ban on abortion, which was in their constitution, was repealed in a 19, uh, sorry, a 2018 referendum. Uh, I've been told by uh, Irish feminists that self-managed abortion, which is the preferred term, don't say do-it-yourself abortion, say self-managed abortion, that it helped change people's minds because they saw that it couldn't be stopped. And it built up sympathy for women and made abortion seem more like something that someone they might know had done. I had a long talk with Goretti Horgan, who is a socialist feminist uh, campaigner and professor at Ulster University in Northern Ireland. She's been working for years to legalize abortion in Northern Ireland, where um, 
it's completely illegal with a possible life sentence for the woman. Can wow. you believe it? Wow. Um, I mean, I'm like, you, you know, it's so weird because the United Kingdom, of which Northern Ireland is a part, abortion is legal. So Scotland, it's legal. England, it's legal. Wales, it's legal. But uh, in Northern Ireland, it is completely illegal. And she feels that the fact that pills are very widespread in Northern Ireland she told me that about 40% of abortions in Northern Ireland are performed by pills, you know, illegally, with, with illegal pills. And it, but anyway, I think it actually has worked because abortion ha, will, has been decriminalized by, in Northern Ireland by the UK Parliament and will become legal, I think, October 22nd, which is just next week. Katha Pollitt wrote about the abortion pill for her new column in The Nation. Read it at thenation.com. Thank you, Katha. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 